uh, right off the top, it was it was a crosstown shootout. You know, you go to Xavier, you're going into that fire right away as far as that that crosstown shootout. And you know, we had the uh, the Devil of the Summer League. So you got all the incoming freshmen from the schools from Cincinnati, from Xavier, and we, we're on the Summer League team, and that's you know, it's it's a big deal then too. We want to show that we have the best class, the best players, and we here. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's how it, you know that's how it started. So that cross town shootout was real. Welcome into the Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast, brought to you by Heartland Bank. In today's podcast, we have Xavier legend James Posey talking all things Xavier and his life in the NBA. Thanks for following along so far, and stay tuned for more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast interviews. I kind of want to just start maybe in your early years, and um, I think as we've, uh, as I've connected with former coaches and players, there's always a, a different way of of how we all came to love the game of basketball. You know, what was it for you? Was it a family member, a mentor? But what got you on the court um, and got you to become, you know, such a good player? Um, for myself, it was uh, uh, trying to stay out of trouble. Um, you know, growing up in Cleveland. Uh, my project, you know what I'm saying, just uh, the environment that was around me and finding my little outlet, which was sports, and just keeping busy. So from basketball, you know, football, baseball, anything I could play, you know what I'm saying, to keep me busy and, and away from, you know, the little negativity, negativity that was going on there, you know, I took part in. And so it was a, a rec center called the bathhouse. Um, and so... Uh, I started to go over there, and I was a coach, uh, Buddy King. Uh, he ran all the programs there. And, you know, like I said, I was just participating in everything. Uh, he took a liking to me and a lot of the boys from my project, and, and that's sort of where it started. And from there, just trying to, you know, get better, you know, as a competitor, just trying to get better at, at I mean, at the game in itself, you know, just skill-wise and, um and, and that's sort of where I took off at from there, from, from the bathhouse and Buddy King. So D- Buddy King, he kind of saw something special in you. You know, at the time when you, you met him, did you kind of feel like you had uh, the skill and talent level to become a good player? Or did, did he kind of, I don't want to say help shape you, but give you an idea that, you know, maybe I can be really good. When a guy sometimes sees something in you that's seen a lot of players, you know, did he kind of expand where you thought you could go for the game early on? I mean, well, he had a love for uh, for, uh, for the basketball game itself, and he, he was a big fan of uh, Kareem. And so um, from at the time, you know, I was always the tallest kid for the most part. So he got me down in the post, um, and, and he always talked about the hook shot. I was just unstoppable, so he started teaching, teaching me the little uh, hook shot, the sky hook and everything. So um, that was like him working with me uh, one-on-one, <laughs> trying to uh, put the hook shot into my game. And then just from there, just uh, like I said, just working with myself and then the other guys that was you know, in, a, in, a, in our project, you know, just helping us. And like I said, that was the outlet for us just to stay out of trouble. But... Uh, like I said, his liking for Kareem, he, uh, and since I was the tallest out of most of the boys that was playing, he wanted me to protect the hook shot. I never <laughs> did, but that was, you know, that was his hands-on approach and helping me. 
Yeah, I never tried the hook shot, but I would think after working on floaters and skilled shots like that, that's one of the most difficult shots to even attempt at any point. I mean, just think, like, just starting off, that's, that's a very tough shot. I mean, you figure you're going to get shooting the ball <laughs> to college for most, but the hook shot, man, I, was, I mean, it, it was tough. Um, so that was, that was like, like I said, that was my first even just experience at, at playing basketball period, not even understanding really, you know, the concept of the game, I'm just taking advantage of the opportunity of, of being in the gym and just playing with my friends yesterday. And then in high school, um, you went to a school in Twinsburg, Ohio, and I was reading an article from your former high school coach, and it was either him or one of your uh, high school teammates, and they said they had these adjectives to say about you. They called you a high flyer. They called you skinny. They called you smart. They called you savvy, tough, and versatile. And I feel like that's kind of how you ended up playing at all three levels. <laughs> so, um, you know, is that how you would describe your game early on as well? Yeah. Uh, like I said, just um, I, I'm, I'm a great competitor. And so just, you know, trying to get better at the craft and just finding my niche for a team. Um, yeah, I was skinny, but I wasn't afraid. I didn't back down. I was tough. always confided. Mm -hmm. Like I said, my, my defense, that's where I was fun. I wasn't the most skilled. You know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a crazy jump shot. And then, like, I didn't start really jumping until <laughs> till my sophomore year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I was athletic. And I just had, I guess, a, a grateful approach to the game and how I moved and how, you know, so I approached and played the game. Um, but it just, like I said, just over time, just things just sort of developed me. And like I said, by that time, I understood the game of basketball and I knew how I could, you know, impact that game and what I needed to do just to, you know, I guess to, to be uh, competitive and, and just go out there and compete. Yeah, and I know that this was a long time ago for you. You know, I, I don't want to age you on air right now, so I apologize if I, I just did that. But when did the recruiting process start for you? Um, and, you know, you kind of started to realize, well, I, I can definitely play at the Division One level. Um, and, you know, Xavier is a school that has interested in me. I believe Coach Prosser was the, the head coach when you were getting recruited. But when did you kind of get an idea that I can definitely be – you know, a Division One level player, and Xavier in Cincinnati is kind of the place for me. Um, I want to say, um, like my sophomore year. Uh, so when I when I got to Shaker High School, I I was at Shaker originally, and at Shaker High, there was a guy, Malcolm Finn, and he was all everything. Like <laughs> he was all everything, and so I I watched him growing up, and then he ended up. Uh, you know, going, going to college uh, on a scholarship. Uh, I want to say he, he ended up going to Cleveland State or somewhere else, but he ended up Cleveland State, and um, I'm not sure what really happened after that. But um, my sophomore year, you know, you start getting little letters here and there, and it started locally, you know, at, at Cleveland State. And still it was like, okay, you know, not really. Like, personally, I really didn't know anybody to go to college and just play. So it was just like, okay, it's a college letter in itself. And then as I just continue to play and get better each year, I want to say, you know, I just start receiving more letters uh, from those schools that were interested in things like that, you know, during that process. And then uh, Xavier came, 
and uh, Coach Battle, who was the assistant coach at the time, he uh, he saw me playing uh, during the AAU circuit, and then they started reaching out. The next thing you know, I started getting getting flooded with letters from Xavier, with, from Coach Battle and um, Coach Proctor saying, you know, they like me, this and that, but I'm just, you know, still not understanding the whole process of itself. And so by my senior year, I, um, you know, it was it was starting to get real. It was more so like, okay, I have a chance to go to, you know, go to college. So now I'm sort of scrambling like, okay, what I got to do to get to college? And so now it was the, the SAT, the ACT scores that, along with your grades, that you needed to, you know, qualify to get the scholarship to go to school. And so it was a little too late on that, on that, on that end because, I ended up being a prop 40 because of my grades and me not passing the, uh, those tests. And I think I might have took the ACT twice and and then just the SAT once, but I, you know, I, I didn't pass. I didn't get the scores required required to uh, to basically get the scholarship or whatever. So I was a, a prop uh, prop 48, and during that time, it was you know a lot of schools you know they stopped recruiting me because they knew I was going to be a prop 48. And Xavier and Coach Prosser and Coach Battle, they said they wanted me to come there regardless. And so I was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? So I couldn't turn down that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, I said I would come there. And my parents, you know, they had to pay uh, my the tuition my freshman year. Wow. And then I had to hold a 2.5 just so I could get my scholarship my sophomore year. So then that's when I, you know, buckled down with my uh, – my school work, I was able to get my two, uh, my two point five, and I got on scholarship my sophomore year. And so that whole freshman year was more so just building myself up as a as a student because I couldn't practice with the team. Only time I was around my teammates was at study hall. So you know, you you come in with your incoming class, and they're going on road trips for games, and I'm I'm back at the dorm doing work, you know, saying just I'm a regular student at the end of the day, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it was it was it was just a, a different situation for myself because I never went to school without playing a sport. You know, it always worked out for me to play. So that that was new. But like I said, it gave me the opportunity to grow up and also uh, get my my um my academics together. And so that was a big part when I said as far as the recruiting process, when they told me they still wanted me to come there. I just like I couldn't I couldn't turn that down and then I like the style of play that I saw when I when I took uh, my visit. Um, I remember going to the game. It was uh, it was David versus uh, o, OU, um, Ohio University, and so uh, my high my high school coach, Coach Casey, he took me down there on my visit, and we went to the game and everything. And as I'm driving back, seventy one, I told him I said. Yeah, I'm I'm going there, and he sort of laughed a little bit. And he just told me, you know, just uh, you know, just take your time, take a little nap, just enjoy the ride home and things like that. And we would just talk about it, you know, a couple of days. And um, I pretty much knew once I once I left um, that visit that I was going to go to Vegas. Well, it sounds like you definitely handled your freshman year almost with ease. I don't know how many guys, when they're a true freshman in college, would be able to kind of attack their academics um, and their athletics with that kind of focus. But then 
when you get that opportunity to play as, um, I guess, your second year, you know, you made an immediate impact. Did you expect to have that impact right away at Xavier? Well, it, but, hey, don't get it twisted. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't smooth sailing and it wasn't easy and for myself. Like I said, that was the first time that I had, like, actually, like, that I went to school and I couldn't play a sport. Mm. So um, I was calling my high school coach. I was calling my mom, my dad, and I'm like, yo, I'm leaving. I was trying to see if I could go to, you know, like a JUCO or prep school just so I could at least go to school and I could still play. And I was like, it was, you know, nonstop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I made those phone calls. And, you know, Coach Pato, you know what I'm saying? He, he was, you know, right there in my corner as well telling me why I should, should just stay there and stay focused and things like that. He had my high school coach come down, um, you know, spend a couple weekends just to, you know, keep my sanity and, and just to talk to him. Um, but it, it was it was a tough it was it was tough, and the only season I had during my freshman year was the intramural league, and uh, so that's what I had. So that was my season. I was on the team uh, with Chuck Crockett. He played baseball there. I was on his team. We ended up winning the little championship there. But that was that was my season, and so that sort of as far as skill skill wise, that was the only way I was sort of able to you know stay in shape a little bit and and work on my skills because, like I said, I couldn't practice or do anything with the team. So that was my season, and so I had fun with that. And um, on top of that, like I said, I was able to get my, my grades together, and which, you know, looking back on I think that was probably the, the best thing for me, not, you know, not being able to play my freshman year. And so now, from my sophomore year, which is my first year, um, I was ready to play. You know, I was excited, happy to be out there. Everything was Clicking a roll in school, I didn't have to worry about that. I, you know, I, I had everything academically uh, on the right track. So now it was, it was just a matter of me learning the system. Now I was I was around my teammates, my classmates, and everything. And so we in there like I'm having fun, and then we just working hard and trying to get better. So that was a lot of balled up and built up energy that I had. Yeah, and your rebounding ability is what a lot of people talk about too. Your your toughness, your nastiness on the defensive end, um, obviously your ability to score. But rebounding for you is something I feel like that you took to heart. And every game, it just seemed like you were always attacking the boards. You know, when did that start for you? And did Coach Prosser, Coach Battle, did they kind of you know want you right away to be a a big focal point for you? Well, I mean, it goes back to even Buddy King, like, you know, being one of the taller kids out there, like, rebounding is important, you know, and you have to, it's a mindset and it's a toughness in doing so. So, if you're tough enough to get in there, bang, throw your body in there and strap for the ball, you know, and you give yourself a chance, and, and I just carried that with me. So, when I got to college, you know, I might not have been a, the tallest or the strongest, but I was going to fight for every rebound. I just felt like I could get them. And then it's, you know, for me, you know, I, I figured out a way that I could sort of outsmart some of those guys with my quickness and things like that. Like, I would tap rebounds out and, and run and get them and things like that. But I was always in a fight for a rebound, and I just liked my chances. And, um, you know, and that, just, that helped me. I mean, I think, you know, that, like that year, I might have been like the second leading rebound on the team, and I was coming off the bench or something like that. So um, it was just having that toughness, and I think that's what it is. Like, it was fun for me to bang it, you know, throw my body around with those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, even in practice, we had T.J. Johnson, Terry Payne, you know, uh, Terry Braggs, like, 
he had big bodies all around, and I'm in there quite as skinny as one, and I'm begging with them trying to fight for rebounds, but it made it easier for for the game because I was going against those guys. So I'm like, man, I can bang with them and, and get rebounds. So I know in the game, I like my chances. And so I just, like I said, just trying to do my part. And it wasn't like offensively, like they were running plays for me at all. You know what I'm saying? So I had to get it another way. So you talk about rebounding, offensive rebounds and putback. That's how I made That was how I was able to make it. And did you buy into coming off the bench right away? Were you satisfied being in that six-man role? You obviously relished it, and you were essentially a starter. But did you ever want to be, you know, more in that starting role? Or were you immediately okay with, hey, I want to come yeah. be the six-man, change a pace uh, for the team? Who, who doesn't want to start? Like, who doesn't want to start? And then when you look, you know, and I remember just looking at my stats, I was like, yo, like, why ain't I start? You know what I'm saying? And, I had those talks with Coach Foster and Coach Battle, and all he kept saying was like, you know, for the for the good of the team, you this is what you bring to our team, and and this is what we need you to do. And yeah, it was it was it was a tough pill to swallow, for sure. And so that was <laughs> I thought about man, I could go somewhere else, and I could start. Mm-hmm. I'm just coming off the bench, so I was a little upset. But then, like I said, I just. You know, accepted my role and I made the best of it. And after a while, once I understood it and, and saw, you know, like my impact, I was okay. So I just made sure that, you know, I was still able to produce as that six man. And um, and that's just what I did. So you figure my first two years, I didn't start till my senior year. So that's my third year playing. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I started a few games here and there, maybe, but not. Like actually, just to be a starter, it was it was my third year, which was my senior year, and so um, you know it was, it was a lot to go with it. It was different, you know, the minutes increased and uh, expectations and, th- and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it, it, I mean, it ended up turning out being the best thing for me. So, which year would you think about leaving? You would think after your first year playing, because if you sat out your first year at Xavier and then your second year you play and you have the numbers to be in that starter role. You know, the, I think the last thing you'd want to do is go somewhere else and then sit out again. Did that kind of weigh on your decision as far as staying at Xavier as well? Yeah, exactly. But and then, like I also, like I said, at the end of the day, for Coach Potts and Coach Battle to say they they still wanted me to come there, you know, despite my grades and everything, like I just couldn't, like I didn't want to remain on that either. And like I said, so by after my my sophomore year, like I said, it, it was tough, and I'm like I should be starting even my junior, like. The, my junior year, which was my second year playing, I was still like, yo, like I'm still not, I'm still like not starting like that. So uh, it was tough, but like I said, I, by that time it was cool, and I just I ran with it, and I, I started getting recognition. You know, uh, Dick Vitale, you know, what I'm saying it's one of the uh, top six men in the country. You know, what I'm saying those those two years, and, and that felt good. Um, but I just didn't, like I said, I didn't really understand it. My my sophomore year. Um, my second, my second year, my sophomore year. So um, that's pretty much how it was. Well, you obviously ended up with a big time career at Xavier, top twenty all time in scoring and rebounding. You led the Muskies in rebounding all three seasons you played. Nineteen ninety-eight, eight ten championship, most outstanding player, two time six man award winner. I mean, when you think back at your career at Xavier. 
and, and the NBA as well, but I know we're kind of focused on, on Xavier right now. But, you know, what do you think about that time? Are there any games that stand out to you, uh, maybe playing the Crosstown Shootout, getting the NCAA tournament? But, you know, in your mind, if you can kind of go back to that time in college, what were some of those special moments? Uh, right off the top, it was, it was the Crosstown Shootout. You know, you go to Xavier, you're going into that fire right away as far as that, that Crosstown Shootout. And, you know, we had the, uh, the Devil of the Summer League. So you got all the incoming freshmen from the schools, from Cincinnati, from Xavier, and we, we're on the Summer League team. And that's, you know, it's, it's a big deal then, too. We want to show that we have the best class, the best players, and we here. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's how, it, you know, that's how it started. So that cross-town shootout was real. And, um, you know, to go there and we beat them when, you know what I'm saying, when they are number one in the country at Cincinnati, um, that was a great feeling. And, I mean, we only lost, but the, the one year, like, so I was, I was 2-1 on against them. And so um, just to beat them was was great because you know how, you know, everybody was, they viewed Cincinnati, like, they were a college team, but it, it seemed like they were a professional team, how much love and just how they carried it up around the city and stuff like that. And everybody did, just didn't know, you know, give uh, Xavier that respect. But I think, you know, we started to get that and things started to change uh, from the players that we started getting coming in and just, you know, how we used to mop them up during the, you know, during the season. Um, so that was big uh, for me game-wise. Um, I think my senior year, I had a dunk against George Washington on the road. So uh, I banged on two guys, and we ended up losing that game. Um also going to the NCAA tournament, my first go around, you know, playing against Vanderbilt, playing against UCLA, and then that, you know, it's like man, that's that college basketball right there. It felt good, um, and then just like you know, the, the friendship that I that I uh, made uh, with guys at Xavier, uh, you know, that I still have to this day with some of those guys. Um, it's uh, you know, it was just like the best college experience that you know, that I could have, you know what I'm saying? So it was just, I mean, it's a lot of things that, you know, that but those things right there stand out that I'll never forget. Who are some of the guys that you still uh, keep in touch with? Uh, you got, <laughs> you got uh, Reggie Buller, Alvin Brown, you got uh, Jamal Walker, uh, you know, he's older, but we, we still keep a contact. Um, you say, uh, uh, Darnell a little bit, uh, to raise rags here and there, but, you know, uh, between Reggie Buller, Alvin Brown, uh, I mean, even, I mean, you say Dwayne Crockett, he plays baseball, but it, it was just those relationships. Um, but, um, so it's just those guys that we build a little brotherhood that we still keep in, keep in contact with each other. All right, so then you decide to leave Xavier and go to the NBA, which was, I think, a pretty good decision on your end. You're a first-round draft pick, 18th overall by the Denver Nuggets. Um, do you remember that feeling when you got drafted? I'm sure you do, or maybe it was a little bit of a blur. Uh, but just the excitement after such an incredible college career uh, to be drafted to the NBA. Well, I, so being a top 48, I still had, I had a, another year I could have came back and played, but I was at that time. I said, "Man, I'm about to get my degree, my piece of paper. Like I'm, I'm done with school." So um, I wasn't coming back. But in that same breath, I, uh, <laughs> I hosted David West on his recruiting trip, 
And so that was one of the things they were saying. It's like, you know, you come back, you can play with D. West. Not knowing D. West was going to dominate and kill how he did. And, like, you know, you come back and, and play with, you know, and, and just play with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about it, but I was like, you know what? I got everything. And I'm not saying that I, I thought that I was, I was going to make it, you know, in the NBA. You know, I, I heard plenty of talking chatter about guys that should make it and, you know, and they didn't make it. So I didn't actually believe. You know, then I, you know, made it to the league until I got drafted and I heard my name called. Um, so when I, when I, uh, we went to the draft, uh, we sat there and it was uh, Sister Roseanne Fleming. She was a big part of everything as well. She was there, Coach Battle, Coach Prosser, and then my family, you know what I'm saying? It was like, um, you know, we were just going to take advantage and, and share this experience because those were very important people in my life. Um, and it helped me at least get the opportunity, you know, if things worked out to play in the NBA. Um, so we all was in D.C. For the, for the draft. And, you know, the Nuggets, you know, they selected me 18th. And right then, that's when I, I, I finally believed that, you know, I could play in the NBA. All right. Hey, do you mind if I go back to the David West, James Posey visit at Xavier? Because when I talked with D. West last week, he brought up the visit as well, but he didn't really expand on it. But I... I do find it interesting that both of you brought that up. So do you remember maybe some of the conversations you had about that visit? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think you guys still keep in touch now. But, you know, that specific time, do you remember having a, a really good conversation with D. West? Uh, I mean, the I mean, visit is, is crazy. I mean, of course, you show them around campus and uh, you have the opportunity to play, you know, pick up with them, things like that. But you all you come in school and – and, and you're selling the school based off your experience. And, you know, that, that's what it was for me. And like I said, I came in, I was a top 48. So I, I just gave him my whole, you know, my whole little spiel about everything. And just on the, on the, uh, on the uh, school side, uh, academic side, where they care about your academics as well. And Sister uh, Roseanne Fleming, <laughs> she's a big part of it. And then, um, you know, just real honest conversation with him. And, you know, you never know until the, until the guy signs if, if you really did your job or if they, you know, <laughs> believe in anything that you're saying. And then when he end up uh, committing, it's like, okay, we, we got one in. Yeah, of course, the coaches, they speak highly of him. They think he's a perfect fit. And, and that's just, I mean, that's what it was. Come on over to Heartland. Now, to run a successful business, you need to develop a strong relationship with your accountant, your attorney, and most importantly, your community banker. If you find it hard to get advice from your bank, maybe it's time to consider Heartland. I'm Scott McComb, CEO. Come on over to Heartland, where banking really feels good. Rare banking feels good. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Okay, so then your first year in, in the NBA, um, did you have difficulty adjusting to the pace of play and kind of figuring out your role? Or you know, did you feel like, hey, I'm going to kind of continue to be that defensive stopper, hit shots, rebound, and, you know, guard the best player on the team? You know, did you feel like you were able to find that role quickly or did it kind of take a while to feel it out? Well, by that time, like, I, I knew what I, I brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And that was defense and just playing hard to team. So uh, that's, I was going to do that regardless. Um, of course, you know, being in the NBA, you, you have to learn the system, how things operate. And so um, 
that's that's what I did. So I end up starting, I want to say probably maybe twenty or thirty games into the season, whatever. And like my role didn't change, you know what I'm saying? But offensively, I took advantage of opportunities when they presented themselves. And of course, you know, being drafted, you think about your draft class, you always want to play well, you know what I'm saying? To show that you're worthy of the 18 pick or that you want to have better stats than other guys in your class. So that was always, you know, in, in my mind as well. But, you know, some of the guys have better opportunities than me where stat wise, they were better than me. And so um, it was just a whole, basically, like I said, it was a rookie year of learning uh, the NBA and how things go and, and just learning learning my team. And I had a great coach. And um, at the time, it was Dan so He was our head coach. But mm. assistant coach-wise, it was John Lucas. And then I'm playing on a team with <laughs> Nick Van Exen, the ex Bearcat. So, of course, we had a little chatter about that. Uh, and then you have uh, Antonio McDyke. You know, and those guys, you know, took me under under their wing and, and helped me uh, from that point on to, to the end of my career and building a good friendship from that. Well, then you won two NBA titles, uh, one in 2006 with the Miami Heat, uh, along with D-Wade, Shaq, Pat Riley was the head coach. Uh, but in that series, you guys, I believe, were down 2-0, um, and you had to kind of pick yourselves off the mat a little bit and, and come together. Uh, maybe if you could walk me through, you know, down 2-0 in that series. Uh, but you, what you guys did, you know, what did Coach Riley say to you uh, to kind of get you guys back on track? Um, well, it's one of those things where you watch the NBA and, and you see, you know, you watch the finals, you know. And, and for me, it was always like, how would I perform? on that stage during that time. And so it, it was all new to me. Um, but I had great leadership, one in, in Pat Riley, because, you know, he 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 was he had won before in L.A., so he had that experience. And also Shaq. And those two, they never wavered in, in their just approach during that season. All they kept saying is, you know, um, you know, we just need to win the next game. The things that we're doing, you know, it's working. we just got to do it harder. We got to do it together. We got to be more consistent. And then, you know, you started to, you know, you just you stay positive, even though it, it was down. I mean, you down 0-2. You're like, damn, like, shit, we, we get swept. And I think for us, when we lost that second game and we're getting on the plane and we just heard the chatter, they, they were talking about they're going to sweep us. They was already planning a parade route and everything. And it was almost, like, disrespectful. Like, we... We haven't even left the city yet, and that's what y'all think is going to happen. And so I think that that rubbed everybody the wrong way. And like I said, we came back. And I think the, uh, the format helped us too because it was like uh, 2 3 one, one or something like that. Um, so we go back home, and then we went at home. And so we said, okay, so we're not going to get swept now. So now we just got to, you know, we got we to gotta win another one. And so we won that sequence, and now it's you know it's tied two two. It's a different ball game, and then we won the third at home, and then we go on the road winning. It was it was just like you know our confidence is you know it, it grew with each win, and then like I said, it just brought us closer together, and you just you focus more <laughs> when, when you're down, and it was crazy because it, it just it, it, it's that fear, it's just that fear from within, like man, it could get ugly and. That's what you're gonna be remembered as, known as. And so for us, we we channeled that energy 
and, and help us, you know, win those four games. And um, that's the best feeling in the world to win, you know, <laughs> a championship on the on the on the biggest stage at the highest level. Yeah, and you were guarding Dirk Nowitzki for you know a majority of time in those games. You know, and, and I mean every night in the NBA, you're taking on I mean some of the best players in the world. But I mean a guy like Dirk, an incredible score in his prime, it's already won a title. You know, before that, you know, how did you get up for that challenge? You know, were, were you watching film to kind of watch every move that he would make? Um, and then when you got there, just, you know, no back down, physicality, make him work for everything. He well, really hits a step back, you know, three from five feet behind the arc. Yeah, well, at that time, well, they, they hadn't won yet. So that was, that was those six. They hadn't won yet. But Dirk, he was at his prime. I mean, he was a great shooter, a seven-foot shooter shooting over top of everybody. Man. And that's one thing, like, you know, you just you just have to live with some, with you know, how they say, uh, <laughs> good deeds is better hope. Better road. So for him, he made some tough shots that he made plays because he was able to shoot the ball. You know, he's a, you know, he was an all star. So, um, but we had to wear on him and, and the rest of the team because they were pretty much a jump shooting team. And so that's when you talk about the force of just doing everything harder. And that's how we wore them down a little bit because now, you know, those jump shots they were making early, now they're a little tired, they're a little short. You know what I'm saying? Now it's was, it was just wearing on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we forced it, you know, imposing our will on him a little bit. But Dirk was tough, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Udonis and myself, we, I mean, we basically was tag teaming him for the most part, just wearing him down and, you know, being physical with him and, uh, you know, doing all the little dirty work and scrappy little plays uh, because that was their guy. And so we had to, you know, contain him. And that's what we were able to do over the course of the series. And, um I mean, that's really it. Did you ever see Pat Riley's hair out of a perfect position? Never. Never. <laughs> Never. Never. I mean, it doesn't. It's, it's it's stuck in place forever. It can't move. I mean, well, I, hey, not even well, a tsunami you know would take that hair anywhere. I, I, I take it back. <laughs> after we won, and we had the champagne shower and everything, that was the only time. But outside of that, you know, everything was quick. <laughs> everything was tight, you know what I'm saying? So. That was the only time. That's pretty funny. And then in 2008, you won another title. And then another difficult matchup in that game. Were you on Kobe? Because you guys played the Lakers in that finals, right? Yeah. And then yep. so were you on Kobe during that time as well? Yeah. So with, with Boston, uh, you know, I, I guarded Kobe. I guarded uh, Lamar, you know, Lamar Odom and things like that. was like, mm. like my matches were mainly on Kobe. And like I said, even – uh, then you had um, myself and Paul Pierce, where you know, say we, I mean, we tag team him and we try to wear him down. You know, saying one of the greatest players, also. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you try, you can't stop him. You just hope to contain him, and you just want to wear him down as well. Um, but I just think during that season, uh, we had a, a bunch of tough guys uh, that accepted their roles and had a, a high driver just of competitiveness and, and it was just like you know the biggest stage and we got the big three that Paul Pierce KG and uh and Ray Allen and those guys you know a little bit past their prime but this was their opportunity to win a championship and they made so many sacrifices to get to that point uh in their game when we got there and you know we just everybody clicked and that was one of the things like we saw them 
and the sacrifices that they're made. So for us, the role players, I mean, we, we couldn't be crying to argue about nothing. And so we all, you know, had a, a bond on and off the court. Um, we had fun. Like, when we played, we had fun. Like, we just had fun out there. So it was it was a great feeling. And then had the opportunity to, to win in Boston, you know, one of the story franchises, you know, and, and, and putting banners in the Raptors, like, the opportunity to add that, that was a great feeling as well. And like I said, that was my second championship. And that was KG, Ray, and Paul Pierce, their first. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was one of those things to, to be, to do it with those guys and for that organization. You know, it's a great feeling. How much is your uh, body beat up at the end of the year? You go through the regular season, preseason, NBA playoffs. I mean, that's a long, long season. I mean, do you do you feel any aches and pains in those moments? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long season from from the games and practice, and you, you you have to take care of your body. You know, from icing, uh, maybe you know, stem, uh, getting your rest. You got to eat right, and um, you know, you just gotta you. That's, that's what it takes to to go out there and play at at, at, at your best. Uh, so you have to do all things, take care of your body, uh, get massages and things like that. Um, that's just part of it. Uh, I was blessed because I never had any any major major injuries during my career. Uh, and I think it was year maybe my tenth year in the league. I was in New Orleans where I had a small tear in my meniscus. So. Outside of a small tear in my meniscus and the little surgery that I had, I was blessed to, to you know, to play a, a career where I didn't have major injuries. So um, that was a blessing in itself. All right, and then after your playing career, you've uh, you've done some work coaching as well, where yet again you you win another title. So everywhere that you've been, you've won. And then, of course, that was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, LeBron James got a title with Cleveland. You were coaching under Ty Lue. You know what was the difference between winning a title as a player and winning a title as a coach? As a as a coach, you're helpless for the most part, and mm-hmm. you just hope that. <laughs> That, that the team sees the vision, they still believe in it, and they go out there and they execute. Because now you're coaching them through it. Now you got to, you know, hopefully they understand it and they're able to go out there and execute. And you can't go out there and do it for them. And you talk about, you know, the, the mental aspect of, like, you have to be be locked in, you know, as a player and remain focused to, to carry out the game plan which may change just in the course of a game or throughout the series. Um, so that's one thing as far as like being a coach, you just feel helpless in that sense where you just can't go out there and do a form. But like I said, you have to, you know, paint the picture form um, so they still see and believe in the vision and what, you, and what you're trying to get done and, and put it out there for them. And if they buy into it, you know, everything, you know, if everything you know goes right, you, you give yourself a good chance. And that's the biggest thing about just being on the coaching side and winning. And you know, we had a great leadership in in, in Ty Lue. You know, what I'm saying like as a player, you know, he won. He, you know, he, he was coached by you know Phil Jackson, and you know uh, was on Doc Rivers' staff as well. Where along with the coaching, you also manage egos, you massage egos, and um, you know you're dealing with LeBron James. 
uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love all stars in a sense. I mean, it, it has to be a sacrifice between the three of those guys as well. And T. Lou did a great job of doing that. Um, and I, I think, you know, just his experience as a player and also, you know, seeing some of the coaches like uh, Phil Jackson and Doc Rivers, how they handle superstars, I think that helped, uh, that helped them in that process, you know, even when we were down. So, mm-hmm. um that was, I think, that was a big part on on his on his behalf. Sure, his growth and his capability of doing so. Yeah, it's, do you ever look back and just think about all the experiences that you've had, the basketball minds that you've been around, and just it, it's got hard to believe. Maybe sometimes you know all of the incredible experiences that you've been able to uh, to go through playing the game of basketball and coaching. Yeah, uh, because I'm not mean, thinking about it because. It's crazy because I I never thought about just playing in the NBA. Like, you know, like you hear hear now even from kids, my own kids and stuff like that, like you want to play at the highest level. So they, they're thinking about playing professionally already and they're just like in high school or, you know, just, just still little kids. Like I never I never thought that way. I just took advantage of the opportunity of just playing and getting better um, to get there. And then, like I said, to win at the highest level twice as a player. And like I said, you, you never, you always think about how would you perform in those situations. Well, the first one was shaky. I was nervous. And, and I, I won. And I felt like, okay. And now in 08, I felt like I was a veteran at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I understood what came what came with it. And I think I handled myself, even my nerves and everything, and also talking to my teammates just to help them because I was the only one that had won. On that, on that staff, you know what I'm saying, or, mm-hmm. on that team. So I'm, you know, I'm talking to KG, Paul, and Ray, because they're like, yo, what is it like? And, you know, you just had those small conversations, and, you know, we're, we're, we're in the same fight, the same battle, night in, night in together, and, and we get it done, and we, and we won a championship there. And then on the coaching side, you know, it's like one of those things, I went in Cleveland, born and raised there, not too far from, uh, you know, from the from the arena downtown. So to come back full circle to win a championship, the first championship, you know, for my home team, my city, like that was a, a great feeling. And I just think about that, like just to come back, you know, like I said, full circle and have that experience. Um, and now I have, you know, three titles to show for it. And, you know, it's just been a blessing along the way. Awesome. Well, Xavier Nation's uh, definitely glad that you decided to make your college stop there. Your uh, your picture is still all over the place. You got jerseys everywhere. So, uh, Xavier Nation, I, I don't think it can forget about you, even if they want to. Those which I don't, I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. But I do appreciate I you. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> no, definitely not. But no, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get this out to everybody. But um, yeah, thanks so much for taking some time to relive. Uh, some of those magic moments at Xavier. Uh, no time. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. All right, yep, take care. Bye, you too. Thanks. All right, well, I'd like to extend a big thank you to James Posey for jumping on this week's podcast. Next week, we have yet another special guest. This time, our guest will be walking us through the top Xavier moments from the Crosstown Shootout games in the 90s. Thanks again for checking us out, and stay tuned for more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast Interviews. Starting his dribble, he moves in, he pops up, he shoots, scores! Lenny Brown! Xavier wins it! The Muskies win it!
69. And this the UC Bearcats are number one in the country, number two in their own city.